4: That one is driven out to right center field. He straightened this one out. Sidia! A home run for Rizzo!
2: Yankees have their first hit. Yankees have their first run. It's 3
5: 1 0. OB 19 is still out there. This
6: is unbelievable. Actually, it's not unbelievable. This uh, is what can sometimes happen if you are choosing willfully to not accept science. Um, Anthony Rizzo has tested positive for COVID-19. He's on the COVID list for the Yankees (gasps) and will not be available to him for a while. He tested positive apparently after Saturday's game. Um, And look, it, it, it was a big story here in Chicago, obviously. And now I'm sure it will be a much discussed story in New York and, and look, you can still get COVID even if you are vaccinated. These breakthrough cases, as folks are uh, are calling them. It happened to my brother in New York City, got one of those breakthrough cases. And symptoms were light. Um, the breathing was not affected for him in the way that it. Symptoms are a lot lower. Yes, sir.
7: You're back. You're okay. You dropped for a little bit. You're okay. You're back. Interesting. Keep talking. You're good.
6: Um, Yeah, so forgive the connection issues there, folks. Anyway, so my brother had a breakthrough case of COVID and is vaccinated. Anthony Rizzo, as we know, not vaccinated. I mean, I see some of the reports out of New York. Um, Aaron Boone didn't say whether Rizzo has been vaccinated since June. I can't imagine that that he has, but now he's got COVID and is on, (laughs) on the Yankees injured list. There's going to be a lot of people experiencing schadenfreude with this. Um, I I am not one of them. I don't get vindictive about stuff like that. It is just it's it's a really awkward and unfortunate thing that it's been accepted as personal choice to not get vaccinated. It is not just a personal choice because what you do and do not do Affects the entire country, affects our ability to recover from this pandemic and move on from this pandemic and do the best that we can as a as a science based country. It's, it's really uh, unfortunate and it ends up being ends up being something that's very hard to respect You know, for Rizzo, for Kirk Cousins, the stuff that Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, was saying and the way he was talking about it this week. It's it's really difficult to respect folks when they're not, when they say they want to do more research. and Like, well, what does the research look like? Does the research look like, you know, the thousands and thousands of man hours and labor that's taken place in chemistry labs and scientific labs as... People do funded, high-tech, high-end research on this stuff. Is that what your research looks like?
7: I'm
3: going to be vigilant about
7: avoiding a close contact. I've even thought about, should I just set up literally plexiglass around where I sit?
6: God. It's Kirk Cousins. Just just ridiculous. I, I hate this story. I hate having to talk about it. I'd rather talk about baseball, and we will. But, man... That is a, uh, a blow to the Yankees because Rizzo's been very good. And that's the other part of this is that uh, the vaccines, if you get them, it offers a competitive advantage because then maybe you won't test positive and cost your team in the middle of a hardcore pennant push as is happening right now. Mm. There it is. And of course, people get angry. People get angry via text. I'm vaccinated, but stop the preaching. Everyone knows the debate by now. OK, well, there are uh, teachable moments. There are absolutely teachable moments. Along the way, and this is one of them. Get vaccinated, folks. In the meantime, we have been talking about the the role of a relief pitcher and pitching between the eighth inning and the ninth inning. And I want to talk about that with you. I want to keep uh, taking your input on it at 312-644-6767. That's the phone number. And you can keep texting in, as some folks are, to talk about this. It is different. Why is there a pushback on whether this is different or not? Why is there uh, a noted desire to think of these guys as robots as simply outgetters as simply people you throw out there regardless of situation and they will be at their very best no matter what the situation is whether pressure is the same whether pressure is that is not why is there a push to ignore the human component when it comes to the eighth versus the ninth And I would be talking about this whether it's Kimbrell in the eighth or Hendricks in the eighth or either one in the ninth. To me, it's always been fascinating to me. And Kimbrell has pitched in the eighth inning before, yes, a little bit last year as he was trying to recover from being terrible. Remember, he was terrible and got demoted. That's a different thing. Here's Kimbrell talking about the eighth versus the ninth. I think, is this before the game on Friday or after the game? on Friday after the home run. Either, either way, this is Kimbrel talking about it um, during the Cubs and Sox series.
5: Yeah, obviously, it's a
0: little different. The energy can be a little different depending on where you're playing and uh, what the atmosphere is like. But uh, at the end of the day, you still got to get those outs. Um, I had a little bit of practice doing it last year, so um, that definitely helps out.
6: So a little practice doing it last year. So the practice he had doing it last year was because he was terrible and was rebuilding himself. And so you're desperately trying to prove yourself right now when you are as dominant as you have ever been and the unquestioned guy and going out there with sweet child of mine and like going out there to do your thing and anointed and you know full well that you are at the peak of your powers and it's part of your success. Being asked to do it is different. Can mess with your head a little bit. And you hear there in his, in his voice and in his description that he wants it to not be an issue. End of the day, you just got to go out there and do it. Okay. He wants it to not be an issue. But how could it not be? How, how could it not be? Human beings. That's before Friday's game from Craig Kimbrell. Several people uh, getting in here. Uh, via text at 312-644-6767. Yeah, people are not computers. Closer is a specific job. I always have questions about the idea of going and getting a second closer when you have a lockdown one on staff. See, that's where my thing comes from. It's like I was really surprised they did it uh, because of the acquisition cost and because there is a potential issue here of, of dealing with it. There is a potential issue. Yes, those three outs are different. However, I've also been waiting for a backslide from Kimbrel. For the Sox sake, I hope it isn't happening now. Speaks, you're the only guy on the score who acknowledges that athletes are people with emotional responses. Everyone else acts like they're robots. I don't know if everyone does. Maybe it's it's a desire for them to be robots because it's a desire for them to uh, just get their jobs done. So you as a manager or as a fantasy baseball manager or as a GM, a president of baseball operations, can just slot your people in and have them do their job and think of them as line items, as successful line items getting it done. But that's just not the way that it works, right? Let's go to the phone lines. 312-644-6767 is the number. This is Leo in Orland Park. Leo, you're on Hit and Run. Good morning.
2: Hey, how's it going? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I just want to say, first and foremost, I hope your brother's recovering well from COVID. Thank um, you, sir. But then, no problem. But besides that, I got to agree with you. I think it's 100% mental, especially when you're dealing with, like I know Kimbrell did it last year for the Cubs, but for the most part, a career ninth-inning guy. And so I don't want to pretend to know inside the mind of a, base, of a major league Hall of Famer, but... When you're fighting your whole career for, like, an elusive save and you know that if you do your job right, the game's probably going to be done when um, when your job is done, Um, I feel like it's kind of hard to go from that to transitioning into an eighth-inning guy and someone who needs to rely on someone else to get the job done, and it can kind of downplay the importance of it. That's just what I think, and that can um, affect it mentally. So thank you.
6: I yeah, appreciate the call. Thanks so much, Leo. Um, let's go to George in Old Town on 670, the score. George, good morning. How are you?
4: Hey, man, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, you know, there's a whole subconscious mental aspect to this. If you look at the human being nature of it, you know, you look at the Olympics with Simone Biles, you look at, you know, performing at the highest level. I think that, uh, you know, he, he has a lot of gratitude to the Cubs for getting them through a family situation and he gets in that role in a game that really is not that meaningful, a team that's up nine and a half. I think it's hard to get psyched up for that. I think they're not computers. They're human beings.
6: Yeah. Thank you, George. I appreciate the call very much. They, they are human beings. And how does it, how does it change? How does uh, a slight lack of adrenaline or or a slight change in focus or a little bit of a distraction change what you do? Can it mess with your mechanics a little bit just because your brain is not totally there on point? Can it mess with your location just the tiniest little bit? Possibly. I don't know. These are questions for pitchers, and I ask them every chance that I get. And I will always ask pitchers these kind of questions because pitching is so unnatural. It's just such a weird way to do it. It's a weird way to go about your athletic life. Such an odd thing to ask your body to do, to repeat mechanics like that 100% of the time. Don't don't you have these kind of uh, focus issues when you're playing a sport? Sean, what sport do you play or game do you play at the highest level?
7: Um, What are you best at? I mean, I guess I was best at baseball, at least sport-wise, but I didn't play it competitively past high school.
6: How about now in terms of parlor games or backyard games? I would say I'm pretty decent at bags. Okay. So you and I have talked about bags before, and I keep thinking about bags because I've called myself on this show the Kyle Hendricks of bags. You've heard me call myself that
0: yeah. Weirdly. because
6: I, tr- I, I try to keep my my um, my heart rate down. I try to have very simple and repeatable mechanics and just kind of go out there and do my thing. There are other guys who throw it harder, you know, but uh, as long as I'm accurate and do my thing, I, 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 I can I can be very effective. Um, but when there's anything in my head at all. Like if I'm worried about my opponent or I'm worried about um, my buzz, or you know, if I'm worried, I can get off my game. Is that true for you? It, to get off your game.
7: It is true for me, and something I think I played it uh, last segment. Romine just talking about you know you, when he's going up against Kimbrel, he's just swinging and reacting, and those are the best swings you got. When you're just kind of out out of your head and you're just looking and focusing on your target, you're mostly gonna nail your shots. I, I've been practicing a lot with taking out the garbage and chucking the garbage underhand <laughs> into the dumpster, and that's really helped me clear my mind. I'm alone, got no space, and I'm just nailing my target. It's pretty impressive.
6: Yeah. See, there I'm getting you go.
7: Good. I'm getting good. There you go.
6: And, and, and that's that's a big thing. And clearly, um, our bags experience is exactly comparable to pitching. Just just 100 percent comparable to pitching in front of 40,000 people in a big game.
7: I'll be like Frank Schwindel out there.
6: <laughs> you know, a boy can dream. Seriously, though, it's like we, we, there is this desire to pretend that these guys are robots. And to, to beg for these guys to just be absolutely robotic with it. Texture says, this is an important segment. Baseball needs more of the simple clarity. The amount of people can be looked at like computers because it makes my data religion seem smart. That kind of take is maddening. God, and then all these people. All these people responding to the vaccine stuff with Rizzo. It's unbelievable. People get so angry and go right to their corners. I hate this kind of discourse, people.
7: Literally. We talked about it for five minutes, and this is the most the text screen has ever been active, I think, on our show for the past two weeks.
6: Time for your president to shut down the borders and admit their administration. What?
7: It also affects Chicago sports because now the White Sox don't have to face Rizzo at the Field of Dreams game or this weekend. So the Yankees just got worse. So that also is Chicago baseball.
6: 100 percent it, it's an example folks of why getting the vaccine helps it, it, it's an example and in this in this moment not getting it has, has has caused a problem i hate being lectured by a democrat unbelievable just just ridiculous science becoming partisan is just a terrible thing that has happened in this country terrible it's science is not, it doesn't know aisle sides. It, it, it really doesn't. It shouldn't. 312 is 67-67. And there it is. You started the negativity by judging those not vaccinating. <laughs> okay. All right. See, you can't say anything in the world. Oh, people. Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just watch baseball together? Let's do that. Let's do that all week long, except it won't involve Anthony Rizzo because he just tested positive for COVID. More of your phone calls and texts on the mentality of closing on the uh, non-robotic nature of baseball players. And also hear what it's like to be a prospect at the deadline when it goes bizarrely, um, you know, off the rails in terms of you getting the news or not. It's it and run on 670. The score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it
7: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto Plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for walk well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CTMobile.com.
2: I, I think the initial thing is Kimberl throws the eighth if need be. Or there's other times where Tony might flip it up. He is not willing to say, This is going to be my everyday closer. This is going to be my everyday setup, man. But. In the, the opportunities that he's had, it's been it's been Kimbrel first, Hendricks second. As long as that's working, you stay with it. But there are going to be times where maybe Hendricks uh, throws two days in a row, can't throw the third day. Maybe it's going to be Kimbrel. He's going to be able to to get that done. So I don't know how it pans out. I just know that when you have these options, and some would say an embarrassment of riches, you tend to uh, to go with what makes you unbeatable and it seems so far that Kimberl and Hendricks, back-to-back make you unbeatable
6: theoretically unbeatable it's fascinating to me because getting inside the mind of the athlete is something I absolutely try to do try to understand try to empathize and figure out what's going on with people Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Some, some really interesting text and input coming in. We've all seen people who were real good setup man and then when asked to close, it was just different. Latroy Hawkins is a name that comes up in these circumstances. The, it, we seem to be able to admit that the ninth inning is different. And so then why would not the eighth inning suddenly, when you're a ninth inning guy, be different as well? Um, this long ago from larry anderson the broadcaster Phillies broadcaster the former reliever this was his analogy and i always always liked it Um, if you put a tightrope from the top of the foul pole in right field to the top of the foul pole in left field and you put a net underneath anybody would try it that's a setup guy or a middle reliever the closer has to do it without the net You feel the tension, your whole body tightens up because one mistake and it's over. You have to trust that you can walk across that tightrope. Like if, if people are willing to admit that you need that for the ninth, then isn't it understandable that it can be in a guy's head? Like, oh, now I'm in the eighth and I don't have to worry about that. Oh no, I let up just a little bit. Or I'm thinking about it, we gotta make sure that I don't let up. Oh, what happened while I was thinking about it and making sure that I don't let up? This is the thing. I think we can all acknowledge and we should acknowledge that it's something that he has to worry about if all of a sudden you're the eighth inning guy. Texture says this. Nobody says athletes are robots. The point, Actually, a lot of people do. But the point is that an athlete, you have to adjust. Yes, it could affect Kimbrel, but he has to adjust. Yes, there you go. Absolutely. And I think to uh, deny that this is something that is in his head and he will have to adjust to is silly and is being willfully naive. And it's, it, we, we can do better than that. Let's acknowledge that it could be something that's in his head, as he did right there in the cut that you played. At the end of the day, just got to do it. Okay, yeah, so adjust. How do you do it? What's fascinating and, uh, is, is whether Kimbrel is a guy who can adjust easier or Hendricks is a guy who can adjust easier. If I were to ask you which one of them is more naturally insane <laughs> which one of them is more naturally filled with adrenaline and edge and able to find that extra bit of focus and intensity? Which one of them is more naturally able to get there mentally? That's Hendrix, isn't it? Hendricks is a crazy person it, in a very fun way. But Hendricks will talk about how he needs to pitch pissed off, how his wife pointed that out last week. Right. There's Hendrix's literally
7: a cut in here that says Hendrix. ways to get angry,
6: ways to get angry. right. He knows what he needs to do, knows how to motivate himself, motivate himself to do that. Thinks about it on that level. What an interesting communicator that guy is. So if you're asking me which of the two I think is more likely to be able to uh, pump it up. To the level of adrenaline and intensity, you need to be your best. It's absolutely Hendrix. Whereas Kimbrel, to be his best, I, my, my theory is needs, needs the high pressure and high intensity of the ninth. But we'll see. Now he's got a chance to adjust to it, and he'll have to adjust to it. And it, I, I thought it was weird that he was pitching the eighth yesterday when Tapera finished. You, you, you wouldn't have Kimbrel finish yesterday? Was it 2 nothing when he was warming up, and by the time he comes in, it's 4 nothing. I think that is the case.
7: Yes, because Cesar, Cesar Hernandez led off with a, a home run, and I think he was already warming at that point. So,
6: so he's already warming to come up. But still it was the eighth to but come in with a 2 nothing lead.
7: Yeah, and then, and then it's a 3 nothing lead still, so you'd probably even want to bring him in then.
6: Right, right. And I, I was looking at the lineup. Contreras was among the three that he faced in the eighth and looked good, by the way. Look, I, I, and it, it would be great if this is not an issue, but if it is an issue going down the road, just remember that they are indeed human beings this is terry in st charles on 670 the score on hit and run good morning terry how are you hello terry no dice hello terry yeah you hear me speaks terry i hear you loud and clear thank you for calling good morning i hope you're well go ahead you're on thank you sir good to talk to you uh, I just wanted to bring up, you know, you're talking about
4: uh, uh, the psychological difference between pitching the 8th and the ninth inning. Uh, I was listening to one of your shows here in the past 48 hours, let's say, and the, the host was saying that, that there should be no psychological difference. You're, you're coming into pitch, whether it be the 8th or the ninth inning. It's, it's important. you you got three outs to get. However, he also says at that point, then he goes on to say that Eloy Jimenez, was talking about how he's bored because he's not, he's not in the outfield or, or the Sox are bored because they're playing a, 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 a non-contending team. But, but, and, and they should be bored because they're not playing contenders, and so that's why they're bored. And, and then he goes on to say that David Ross may not have signed on for managing a team with a bunch of minor leaguers and, and that, you know, that maybe that's his problem. Well, all I'm going to say is I think if if it's a psychological problem to to uh, face low low lower teams, let's just put it that way, or or uh, to manage a team of minor leaguers, then it can be a psychological problem to have to pitch the eighth inning. You have hmm. to be consistent. That's all I'm looking for.
6: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, Terry. You can't pick and choose which things are legitimately psychologically interesting. <clears throat> and which things are not psychologically interesting, which things are daunting and, and which things are not. Um, yeah. And, and, and the truth is, on the DH front, we have seen many guys through the years who are totally fine with being a DH and still able to have terrific at-bats every time. And we've seen other guys who pine for the field and seem to have better at-bats when they are in the field. We've also seen guys taking their fielding troubles up to the plate, you know? We've seen those kinds of things and that stuff can get difficult to quantify and it is difficult to be specific about it is um, it's near impossible to generalize about. So the easier way to sound authoritative and frankly, to feel authoritative is to say that it's just not an issue and that it shouldn't be an issue because that makes for for more confident conversation, shall we say? And screw you and your confident conversation, <laughs> is 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 what I say. Oh, boy. This is Joe in Pewaukee on 670 The Score. Joe, welcome in. You're on Hit and Run. How are you?
5: Thank you, Matt. Good. First time. You know, I think that one of the problems here with these pitchers is that they've been put into these, into these roles that are very restrictive. When I first started following baseball, which was the early 1960s, you didn't have closers and set-up men. You had your, your best two relief pitchers, and you know, the starting pitcher was expected to go deep into the game, and you'd save your best two relief pitchers for jams if the bases were loaded with nobody out or, or, you know, or loaded with one out. Then you'd bring in one of these relief pitchers, and they were expected you know, to bring the adrenaline to the mound then, to the situation. Mm-hmm. And not just think of it in terms of well i 'm going to pitch the eighth inning or i 'm going to pitch the ninth inning uh, I think they these you know these like Kimbrell and the other relief really pitcher, they need to think like chris bryant i 'm going to play anywhere I can do mm-hmm. anything i 'm here to get guys out, and they become comfortable in this ninth inning rule eighth inning rule it's it 's not a good way to do it that 's well, what I had I... to say about that.
6: Thank you, Joe. Appreciate, appreciate the call. It, it, it's, this, it's this kind of disconnect that takes place between um, making things line items and doing the right thing schematically and strategically in the front office. And as an extension of that, certain managers. And then, oh, by the way, asking people, humans to go out there and execute the thing. So you need a really good communicator. As manager or as pitching coach to help a guy deal with that sometimes we see it we see it all the time and and in certain situations that conduit can be really good i'd love to know what craig council and his assorted pitching coaches through the years what he's been able to say to guys he he thinks about them as outgetters now do all of them have the correct mindset naturally do they come into it knowing well council's going to use me anywhere Or what Kevin Cash, and they do down in Tampa Bay, where all those guys last year, this year, some might be closers, some might be not. Diego Castillo, a closer often for them last year. Now he's straight up traded and he's a mariner. But Pete Fairbanks, a closer sometimes. Maybe he's in the third inning sometimes. It's ridiculous. And those guys are used all over the place. That is a mindset that you have to teach and make known that it is a prerequisite. And a lot of times that can be institutional, it can be developmental, and that's probably when it's at its best. You pitch for the Tampa Rays, you know you are going to be used at absolutely any point of the ballgame, and you just got to be ready. And you have to bring 100% of your powers to any situation. If you've been the ninth-inning dude forever and ever and ever, you got to adjust, and maybe Kimmer will need a little time to adjust. Certain folks have a terrific mindset for this kind of thing. Andrew Miller, part of what made Andrew Miller so great as a breakout game-changing reliever in Boston and, and, and then Cleveland um, and just really changed the way it went was that Miller was like, all right, here we go. Give me the fifth. Don't care. Okay, give me the seventh. Don't care. All right, I'm in the ninth. All right, don't care. It's unique. It, it's, it's very cool. It is not everybody. Speaking of Boston, speaking of lefties, um, even though I, I, you know it's, it's obtuse to get to this association, but still, uh, Chris Sale is going to be back for the Red Sox next week. They need Chris Sale back. They need Kyle Schwarber to return from injury. Their trade deadline acquisitions. They picked up those two guys, essentially, Sale with the recovery and Schwarber with the trade, but haven't had them both yet. And find themselves much further back than desired, obviously, in the American League East. Three games back right now of the aforementioned Tampa Rays. Tampa and Houston and the White Sox would be your division winners. Boston and Oakland right now as your wild card winners. That would be your one game matchup in a wild card situation. Chris Bassett. Oakland would that be the guy that they have as their uh, wild card pitcher could be former White Sox pitcher has been fabulous was great again in his uh, most recent start the Yankees a game and a half back Toronto three back Seattle five and a half back in the American League still alive despite Jerry Depoto's very strange trade deadline shenanigans what a weird weird guy 670 the score is where you are I've teased it twice I'll tease it again hear what a, uh, a, a prospect deals with at the deadline when the trade is a surprise we'll do that next continue taking your phone calls and texts Sahad of Sharma at the top of the hour right here on Hunt and Run on 670 The Score but that will not derail our baseball conversation 670 The Score is where you are Matt Spiegel is who you're with this is Hit and Run Sahad of Sharma at the top of the hour oh man I loved Night Court. There was a lot to love on Night Court. Harry Anderson was really funny. Uh, Bull, the bailiff, was really funny. John Larroquette, was that his name? He was really funny. It was a very good show. And Marky Post was really funny and beautiful to a young little Matt Spiegel. RIP Marky Post at age 70 today. Night Court, underrated in the annals of uh, 80s sitcoms, if you ask me. Very, very good writing. And nice little, uh, nice little um, magic subplot with Harry Anderson, the judge who was a terrific magician. So every once in a while, he'd break out the cards and do a little magic. But none of that is why you called. I'll get to that prospect I mentioned in a moment. But the big news of the day is that Anthony Rizzo, here today on his 32nd birthday, has been placed on the COVID injured list, the COVID IL by the New York Yankees. He is the fourth member of the Yankees to test positive for COVID in the last week. Joining Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, and Gary Sanchez. So Rizzo out of the lineup yesterday, um, or today I should say. So we learned of the positive result after Saturday's win, after yesterday's win in the Bronx, will be on the list. Um, Luke Voigt has been activated off the injured list from his knee issue. He had lost the first base job to Rizzo, um, even while being on the injured list, but now he is going to be back at first base. And so I, I assume this means... Anthony Rizzo will not be part of the Field of Dreams game on Thursday, will not be part of the Yankees-White Sox series. What are the COVID list rules, Sean Anderson? Do you know in terms of the 10-day protocol here? Is it 10 days we're looking at for sure? Yes,
7: this is from CBS. Uh, The positive test means that Rizzo will be placed in quarantine for at least 10 days. Um, so that that's what he has to do at least quarantine for ten days. so and I think because he's not vaccinated uh since if he was vaccinated and then he had a uh, you know a non positive test, he would be able to come back. But since he's not vaccinated and he's tested positive, he has to quarantine for ten days ten days ten days at least ten days. I mean if he still, yeah if, if he still has I, I just, it, you know he still I'm, he still has to quarantine for longer than ten for but longer than that I, i'm just'm just I'm, just, fine,
6: I'm yeah. just letting that register the, the The lack of vaccination as a competitive imbalance. I'm just letting that, that register for a, for a moment here because it's, it's a minimum of 10 days and it, and it could be more. And there's going to be a lot of people having the schadenfreude at Anthony Rizzo's expense. <sighs> I'm not one of them. But to not acknowledge the, the competitive damage of such things is, uh, would be naive. So we won't bother to do that. I mentioned Sahadav Sharma at the top of the hour. He and Patrick Mooney did a deep dive together on the Cubs system, where it stands after the trade deadline. One of those guys who um, is here now making his big league debut, had his first big league hit the other day, is the former Oakland A's prospect, the Las Vegas uh, ball player at AAA until recently. Greg Dykman. Deichmann. and Dykman's an interesting guy in terms of his hitting approach, in terms of his profile as an offensive player. We'll talk about that a bit more with Sahadev, but we've heard lots of stories about what it's like to be a professional, a major leaguer, and have the trade deadline come. A lot of the guys who've been dealt have talked about some of that stuff now and given you little windows into what that was like listen to what it was like for greg dykeman who was playing a game for las vegas at the time that the trade went down uh for andrew chafin that he was a part of
0: so i was playing for vegas which was the triple a affiliate of the a's and we were in salt lake and uh it was probably the seventh inning i was running off the field and a fan in right field just yelled from the stands dykeman you got traded and so i wouldn't think anything of it it was the trade deadline coming up and Um, so then I get in the dugout and and one of my teammates came to, you know, like shake my hand and he was like, you're out of here, huh? And I was just looking at him like, what are you talking about? So I didn't think anything of it again. And then my manager comes up to me and kind of gives me a little pat and he goes, hey, stay locked in. So I'm like, this is just a, a weird sequence of events. Um, so then I go, I go running out for the eighth inning and I make it to probably the pitcher's mound. And I hear my name and I turn around and my manager's calling me back in and my heart just sank. I didn't know if I was getting called up or traded. Um... So I run back in the dugout and none of my teammates will look at me. They're all just got a blank stare out into the field. And so immediately I knew I got traded. Um, So they tell me, hey, we heard you got traded. You need to go in and and call the GM and and find out everything. So walk in the locker room, call the GM of the A's and and Feinstein goes, hey, we dealt you to the Cubs. And, you know, thank you for everything. Um, And then I talked to Matt Dory and he said, super excited to have you. Talked to VJ, got my travel set up. And two days later I was in Des Moines in the lineup. Um, and then a week and a half later, I'm here in Wrigley. So it's been an absolute, just crazy whirlwind of emotions.
6: How about that for Greg Deckman? That's crazy, man. Can you imagine? And you don't want to hear about it. I'm, I'm playing a game here. Is this actually happening? And then you find out. And then a week and a half later, you're here and you're in the big leagues and you're playing. It's, uh, it's a rough lineup to look at right now. And it is going to be rough for a little while here. Certainly the rest of the year. What they do next year and how quickly things move on is going to be very, very interesting. We'll talk about that more with Sahad Sharma at the top of the hour. Uh, meanwhile, uh, looking around the big leagues, the, the embarrassment of riches for the Dodgers. My goodness. I mean, how good a ball player who is the best ball player has ever been asked to sit on the bench on a regular basis. I know he's been struggling this year at the plate, but Cody Bellinger is going to be benched a lot for that team. Cause there's just not enough spots to go around. Trey Turner activated yesterday playing second base. So Trey Turner and Seager and then Justin Turner and then Max Muncy. So there's no first base spot really for Bellinger Because Muncy's got to play. His bat has to play. And Muncy has played some second, but now Turner will be at second. And then in the outfield, it is going to be Chris Taylor in center. It's going to be Mookie Betts in right. And then A.J. Pollock has been hitting pretty well. Got to get him out there. Every once in a while, they're going to use Albert Puholtz at first base, which means Muncy has to play somewhere else. And very often, I think Cody Bellinger is not going to play against left-handed hitting.
7: I think I have your answer for best bench player ever. Okay. This is from Bill James, and it would be 2000 Mark McGuire. 89 games played, 236 at-bats, 32 home runs, 305 (laughs) average, 483 on base, and uh, a 1229 OPS.
6: In 80-some games?
7: 89.
6: Oh, my God. Wow, there's got, are there injuries there? Was he, he couldn't have been. I think that was his
7: last season. Is that his
6: last year and he was still producing to that level? Man, that Andrews, some good stuff, man. Some good, good stuff.
7: It was his second to last season, and in his last season he had 29 home runs. So he, 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 went, he went from 32 to 29, but 36 and 37 years old.
6: Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't play every day. His body wasn't allowing him to play every day. But when he did play, he was just outrageously great. That's amazing. So that's a guy whose body is not allowing it. This is a healthy, a healthy young superstar in Cody Bellinger who's just not going to play very often. But then he homered last night, had a big, big homer last night for Bellinger. Um, Something that you should be checking out, um, and it happened on on Twitter, but then MLB.com did an amazing job of putting it together. Do you like looking at pitching overlays, folks? Do you like like looking uh, at, at, at gifs, and yes, gif is the correct pronunciation, of multiple pitches coming out of a pitcher's hand at the same time, and you get a sense for how absurd it is to be a hitter and try to pick things up? I like the pitch overlays. I think it's very cool. Overlays are helpful. New frontiers in pitch overlays. This thing, Tanner Houck is a Red Sox right-handed pitcher. And he throws almost exactly like Chris Sale throws from the left side. And so Tanner Houck like, goes real wide and the arm comes out far. The, the mechanics that... Right arm comes back the way it does with Sale and seems to whip around in kind of a terrifying way and very difficult, especially for righties to pick up. And then a couple people on Twitter, including Pitching Ninja, put Tanner Houck and Chris Sale together in the same pitching overlay. My favorite is this one that I'll share in a moment. If you're following me on Twitter, you'll see it there. Or you can go to MLB.com and find Chris Sale Comparison. It's there. Where it's Houck and Chris Sale Sliders together at the same time and you see their arms going exactly the same mirror image spots it's like harpo marx and chico marx um or groucho harpo and groucho in front of the fake mirror in the marx brothers movie if you don't know what i'm talking about get thee to the internet and watch that immediately but man this stuff is so instructive and it's helped us understand pitching so much better and who knew that there were new frontiers to get there with it, what, what Pitching Ninja did in this very strange thing is he put somehow he turned Chris Sale into a righty. So he, 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 he mirror imaged Chris Sale and put that over Halk and it's frighteningly similar. It's Just so weird. I know. I'm a dork. Maybe you're a dork too. It's why I share the dorky stuff. Try to get that into, uh, into your mind and into your head. Sox and Cubs coming up tonight. Zach Davies and Dylan Cease are your pitchers of consequence tonight. Looking around the big leagues, Zach Wheeler and Taiwan Walker as the Phillies and the Mets continue to match up in a first-place battle out there in the National League East. The Phillies have passed the Mets at this point. The uh, couple of good lefties for the Nationals and the Braves, Patrick Corbin and Max Freed, although Corbin's numbers are down a little bit. And maybe the best series going right now is the Brewers and the Giants. First place teams battling. It's been interesting, crazy Giants comebacks along the way. Johnny Cueto and Brett Anderson today at one ten. That game on this afternoon. We've got live and local programming right here on six seventy. The score after I'm done at noon. Rami Maklof will be on noon to three. Then Chris Ranji at three o'clock, and Ranji will be solo up until Cubs pregame, which comes your way at five thirty. One more hour to go of hit and run right here on six seventy. The score. We'll come back and talk to Sahat Sharma from the Athletic about a wide array of Cubs things and more White Sox conversation in the next hour as well. Got a big 40-man roster decision coming when Luis Robert gets here. We'll discuss some of the options later on next hour. Keep it here on 670 The Score.
3: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The
2: clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet.
3: Music.
0: You said my word.